From the studios of Books in Motion, this is Rusty Nelson reading Case File, Union Pacific, by Paul Colt. Now let's begin with Case File, Union Pacific. Chapter 1 How in hell could this happen? The cost overruns alone run to tens of millions of dollars. The breach of public trust is inexcusable. Ulysses Simpson Grant tossed the report on his desk in disgust. He stood and clasped his hands behind his back. Hunching his shoulders forward, he paced the Oval Office, trailing a cloud of blue cigar smoke. The President still carried his modest frame with a burly military bearing, despite his civilian suit and the formal trappings of the Oval Office. In truth, the structured chain of command over at the War Department suited him better than the political subtleties surrounding the presidency. Much of that remained an unfamiliar and uncomfortable mantle. His eyes burned with the intense concentration of a field commander as he reflected on the report. His features hardened under the salting of gray beginning to fleck his neatly trimmed mustache and beard. Grant had discovered the financial troubles of the Transcontinental Railroad Project within days of being sworn in as 18th President of the United States. He ordered Grenville Dodge, the Union Pacific Chief Engineer, back to Washington for a briefing. The meeting with Dodge that morning had done little to reassure him or answer his questions. The damn railroad is important. It will bind the nation together in an economic union never to be shaken again as it was by the War of Secession. Reconstruction was proving to be a slow and painful process. The country needed economic growth to speed the healing of the nation's wounds. The railroad would bring lifeblood to that growth. The Transcontinental Railroad would be an achievement of historic proportions. Though tainted, it seemed, by mismanagement, fraud, corruption, or worse, the situation called for an investigation. Grant would call on his new federal law enforcement agencies to investigate the troubles plaguing the Union Pacific. This case provided the perfect opportunity for his Justice Department to prove its worth under the leadership of Attorney General Ebenezer Rockwood Hoar. Justice would oversee a thorough audit of the project and the investigative fieldwork of the U.S. Marshals Service. Grant had long held that the nation needed a federal law enforcement agency to deal with cases that reached beyond the jurisdiction of local law enforcement or rose to the level of national interest. The Union Pacific mess looked like just such a case. It would prove the merit of his policy. He'd ordered Chief Marshal Bryson to create a special services section within the U.S. Marshal Service and attach it to Hoare's Justice Department. He'd made sure special services got off on the right foot by insisting on the appointment of Jedediah Rutherford Chance to the section. Chance had served under Grant during the war, first as a young cavalry officer and later as a staff officer when Grant assumed command of all Union forces. Grant gave him the nickname Lucky after he led his cavalry troop on a sweep around rebel lines to silence the batteries supporting a hotly contested piece of dirt 
at a place called Shiloh Church. That raid and the victory that followed began to turn the tide of victory in favor of the Union. The general found a warrior that day, a bond formed between the two men that grew through the rest of the war. A knock at the door brought Grant back to the moment. Attorney General Hoare, Chief Marshal Bryson, and Marshal Chance are here to see you, sir, Administrative Secretary Orville Babcock announced. Grant motioned them in, his head wreathed in the ever-present cigar smoke. Good afternoon, Rockwood, Grant boomed, gesturing for the droll former Massachusetts judge to take a seat on the settee at the side of the office. Chief Marshal, good to see you as always. Grant valued the officers and men with whom he served. The chief marshal had earned the president's confidence riding with him.